1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. This is your host Alex
0: Barallo, joined by Dylan Terman. How are we doing tonight, Dylan? I'm doing good, Alex. Um, you know, unfortunately, coming off a frustrating loss, but what can we do, right? Yeah, at this point, we
1: are um, we're pretty comfortably numb, is
0: how I like to say
1: it. I really don't get angry or upset anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think I've been kind of saying that all year about expectations and things like that. Um, we always get excited we always get worked up throughout the off season coming into the season. And, you know, obviously when you set the bar very high, it's sometimes not reasonable. So, you know, we're going through another uh, show here where we're talking about a Jets loss, uh, a beat down, a blowout, uh, hard to say, You know, whether the Jets had the fighting spirit or not when you lose, you know, another game by 45 points. But, yeah, um, tough one, tough pill to swallow. Uh, We're going to do a little recap on on the Buffalo Bill game. Uh, We're going to do a little preview into the Miami game. We've got some transaction news and some roster changes. We're going to go down through the injury report. And then we're going to discuss a little bit on what's going on with this team and, and why they seem to be struggling so much in a season where, you know, this is supposed to be about progression and we're seeing a lot of digression. And, uh, you know, it's been very, very uh, tough to put, you know, a thumb on, on what specifically is wrong with this team at the moment. Uh, but we're going to talk it out. We're going to break some things down. And we're going to try to make sense of, of all of this. But before I get too far ahead of myself here, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Miles Social. Uh, if you're a company that's trying to improve your social media presence, you have to go to milesocial.com and see what they have in store for you. Uh, they can elevate your website, expand your company's platform, um, and just take your company to the next level. You've got a lot of things going on with your company, but you don't have time to do the social media part. That's what Miles Social can do for you. So go to M-I-L-E Social, dot com. That's com. All right, so um, let's do the preview of the Buffalo Bills game first, and then we'll, we'll go into some injury news and, and the roster updates here. So, again, the Jets lose in horrific style. Uh, another 45 games scored on the Jets. Uh, the defense looked non-existent. Uh, obviously, there were some offensive struggles. You turn the ball over that many times, uh, you can't expect to win games with that that type of play. So, you know, real quick, you start the game with a penalty. You go three and out, and then Buffalo just storms right down the field. Uh, and, and scores a touchdown on us. They, they looked like there was nothing that we can do to stop them. Um, clearly it was a lopsided match. We talked about some of the rankings last week. We talked about how the Bills matched up against where we were. And, uh, clearly the rankings and the statistics, um, were evident in, in this past weekend's game. So I'll throw the ball to you, Dylan. Um, give us your, your quick, uh, you know, breakdown of of what you saw and, and, and why you think things went so wrong last Sunday?
0: Yeah, first on the offensive side, I mean, Mike White kind of, you know, reverted back to the backup quarterback that hasn't played in the NFL in the entire three years that he's been there. So it's unfortunate when he goes out and throws four picks. The first two I'm willing to, you know, shake off and say they weren't necessarily his fault. He had pressure right in his face both times from Greg Van Roten, which he's somebody that I think needs to be replaced, if not this week, next week, by Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, the the uh, lineman they traded, Dan Brown for at the trade deadline. I think uh, Van Roten was definitely a negative in the game. The run game was again non-existent. 22 total attempts <clears throat> for 70 yards. You had a late garbage time touchdown by Michael Carter. You were three for 13 on third down with five total turnovers. That's not a recipe for success. I don't care who the quarterback is. It's not going to work out. Um, Joe Flacco did come in and lead a score, uh, touchdown drive late in the game, went three for three, a couple passes to Elijah Moore, including the touchdown. Um, Corey Davis, he looked okay. He had a really, you know, untimely fumble at the end of the half that could have put the Jets in a position to, you know, make it a little tighter going into the locker room, but I feel like Corey Davis has been doing that all year through fumbles and drops, just not holding on to the ball. And then on defense, again, 489 total yards let up for a second consecutive week. They're just letting up so many yards. 360 through the air, 139 on the ground with four scores. The Bills were six for seven in the red zone. Uh, They had two 100-yard receivers in Diggs and Gabriel Davis. And, you know, second week in a row, I hate pointing fingers again, but Gerard Davis looks like he does not belong. He's kind of running into offensive players that seem to make him less effective on the play. You would think it would be the other way around, but he's just running into players at will and not really doing anything but hurting the team. Like you said, 45 points again, three out of the last four games. They've went up 296 points on the year, which is a point differential of minus 135, I'm pretty sure Glenn alluded to it on his YouTube video that, uh, the jets are on pace to do some pretty historically bad things on defense, which is unfortunate considering what we thought we were getting in our head coach and system and everything like that. But, you know, there was a couple of positives. Like I said, Elijah Moore was good. Michael Carter's, you know, decent in garbage time. He kind of just makes things happen when, plays aren't there anyway and other than that you know just frustrating to see you know an unwatchable product almost for the last month other than one game
1: yeah uh you know you you covered a lot of really really good points there uh specifically to speak about that first defensive drive where uh you know jared davis let up that uh you know that wheel route and got caught up um So he made a mental error there and uh, don't know Mm -hmm. why he decided to make contact with the guy coming in the flat when his duty was to cover, I guess, that wheel route uh, clearly just, uh, you know, maybe caught in the moment, but, you know, call that a little mental lapse there. But that's what really kind of makes it upsetting is because that was one of the things that he was brought in for was his athleticism and his ability to make those coverage plays. And uh, you can see that, you know, being set back with the injury and being on the IR for the first half of the season and now coming into the fold, he's still trying to get, uh, you know, his, his leg seasoned, for, you know, for the game. And, you know, maybe he's cleared healthy, but he, he may, maybe he's not up to game speed yet. I'm not really sure, but we'll, we'll definitely be keeping eyes on, on Jared Davis moving forward uh, because he's on a one year show me deal. And, this will determine if he's going to stick with the team moving forward or if he's going to end up going back to free agency next year. You know, I wrote a note here that the whole Davis family was awful. Um, you know, it started off with Jared Davis blowing that play later on. You had, uh, you know, Corey Davis making that key fumble. You know, that doesn't maybe change the outcome of the game, but it was a momentum killer. It was one of the bigger plays of the day. And, uh, it gave the Buffalo Bills pretty good field position, too. So, and then you have Ashton Davis, who was the last one of the group. Uh, and, you know, there was plays left on the field. He looked out of position certain plays. Uh, you know, it just looked like, uh, you know, maybe he's having a hard time syncing in with some of the new guys on defense. There's been a lot of change in turnover at certain positions, multiple positions, I should say, on defense you know, up front at the linebacker position and in the back end, you know, where the safeties and corners go as well. So right now um, there's a mix of maybe not having enough talent defensively and then Robert Sala not being able to implement his system. And to be honest with you, whatever scheme he drew up, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills were completely prepared for it. Uh, You know, what I noticed watching the game a few times is that there was very little outside containment. Our corners did not do a good job, um, you know, protecting that perimeter. We really don't have an edge presence, um, really no threat coming off the corners. Um, You know, I know that we're strong up the middle, but clearly the Buffalo Bills knew that if, if they have the ability to go to the perimeter and go toward the boundary and stretch those run plays out, um, there's a good chance that the, those corners are not going to be able to make the play. And they they did it by committee. I mean, everybody that was in that running back group pretty much got touches and, and did some things in that game. And, and the Jets had very, very little answer for that. Um, I kind of feel like that was a really, really big factor um, is how easily uh, they were able to run the ball. And then they kind of shredded us on defense, too. Uh, there were some really, really big plays let up. Uh, we were within arm's reach going into two minutes left into the first half, and then things just really, really unraveled fast in that last two minutes. He had basically the Stefan Big Show. Um, he made a big play. Um, I don't know if it was 30 or 40 yards, uh, and then a couple more passes, and, and he finds himself a score. So our corners were tested by one of the better receivers in the league, Uh You know Gabriel Davis. I know we've talked about him on this show during the draft process um, a couple years back, and I know Glenn was a big fan of him. Uh, But you know he showcased some of the things that he could do, and um, yeah, the Bills. You know you got to tip their cap to them. They drew up a really good scheme. They know they knew who to attack. Um, You know when when guys came out and and other players came in, they didn't hesitate to go out and try to attack our weaknesses, Uh, and we had no answer for it. So. Um, you know, all aspects um, on this game. You know, we were beat offensively and defensively. We were beat, you know, from a coaching perspective because if if Mm -hmm. you noticed um, what the Bills did defensively is they really kind of blanketed the field. They weren't really concerned about, you know, the Jets' offensive line. They didn't have to rush seven, eight guys every time against us Um, because they knew that where our offensive line struggles are. And um, they took away all the short and intermediate stuff away from Mike White. And, you know, I saw a stat that, you know, not only has Mike White not taken many opportunities past 20-plus yards since he's been playing, the majority of his stuff has been, you know, kind of dink and dunk almost. And they took away all those opportunities, and they forced him to throw the ball down the field a few times and he threw the ball four times over 20 yards and he ended up with no completions and two interceptions. So, you know, clearly Mike White has a bit of an issue pushing the ball down the field when it comes to, you know, stretching it out. And, uh, the bills clearly knew that. And, you know, again, I tip their cap to them for putting the blueprint down, um, on how to whoop our butt. And, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, you know the running game really couldn't get much going. Um, our Our young rookies continue to shine in Elijah Moore and Carter, um, even though it was garbage time they 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 were able to find uh, pay dirt. So you know at least there are there is some progression going on with this team, uh, just not a lot, you know across the board. Uh, but I, I do like to see that guys like Elijah Moore continue to to do things. you know that's what we were anticipating from him throughout the entire off season since he got drafted and uh, it took him a little bit of a slow start, but I'm glad to see that, you know, he's kind of in stride now and hopefully down the stretch, he continues to to show uh, promising things because right now uh, (laughs) we're having a lot of change to this roster yet again, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it just gets a, a little hairy. It's hard to keep, you know, tabs with this team um, with all the changes that are going on here. And um, I just want to take a look one more time at at, at our notes here that we had. You know, Mike White's, you know, four interceptions and the one fumble made five turnovers for for the entire day. You know, that was completely terrible. Uh, You know, they had nine penalties. Um, You know, it's kind of interesting, too, when I was listening to the broadcast replay, Apparently, the crew that was out there was—they've uh, thrown the most penalties. Uh, so I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but the Jets have been heavily penalized all year. So really, I right. think that yeah. as an excuse. Um, and besides that, you know, Ty Johnson—you know—as we we talked about with Tevin Coleman coming back into the mix, he had his uh, rushing carries numbers. I think he only had a, a few. But he did catch five coming out the backfield for 36 yards. Um, looks like his role might be reduced moving forward, so I don't know if that's a good thing for him. But, uh, you know, we got to give, you know, if we're going to call one stud, you know, from the last few weeks over the last month, I'd have to say it's Elijah Moore with his three TDs. He's um, the only guy that that's trending in the right direction right now. Um, you know, Buffalo runs for 139 yards on the ground with four touchdowns. So clearly the defense wasn't able to handle their run. Sherrod Neesman ends up getting the first interception for all defensive backs. And uh, Quentin Williams and Shaq Lawson split a sack. Not really much coming from the defensive line this game. Uh, you know, Bills average nine yards a play, 11 yards passing, and five yards on the ground every time they touch the ball. Jeez. So they, they just clearly just whooped us down. Mm-hmm. Um, any other things uh, in regards to
0: the Buffalo Bill game that we missed here, Dylan? Nope. I think uh, we pretty much covered it all. Just a lot of questions leading into next week. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, fortunately
1: we're – I don't know if it's fortunate because, again, we're we're mixing things up on the lineup here and, and we'll, we have no idea what to expect. Um Miami's a pretty poor team, but, you know, we are definitely worse than them at the moment. But they're equally as bad in certain areas. So um, might be a little bit more even than anticipated. Uh, But, you know, let's go ahead and and let's talk a little bit about the injury news um, and and some of the roster changes that that have gone down. Um, Let's see here. So what I have is Wilson – does not seem to uh, be healthy enough to play, and, and that's the one of, going to be one of our bigger topics tonight. Joe Flacco being announced for, to be the quarterback. Um, we, you know, we're know, we going to be missing Brandon Eccles for a few weeks. That, that one hurts. He's a starting corner. Um, looks like Becton is a few weeks away, and I think the only positive is probably Kyle Phillips being activated today. Maybe he can give a little boost to that defensive line. And there's some other nuggets out there for for the injury news there. You want to um, cover the rest of the list there, Dylan?
0: Yeah, it seems like today um, in Sala's press conference, he said Elijah Vera Tucker and Nathan Shepard popped up as limited participants. Uh, Both should be fine for Sunday. But then the other roster move they made in addition to activating Kyle Phillips was signing Kenny Yaboa and, cornerback Rashad Wild Goose to the active roster. Uh, We're all familiar with Kenny Yaboa, but uh, Rashad Wild Goose was a sixth-round pick out of Wisconsin this past draft. Um, I'm pretty sure Glenn and I – I'm pretty sure we all ranked him in our top top draft names of the year early on in the draft Mm -hmm. process. But he was a guy that we all had on our radar, and he ended up being a practice squad guy for the Bills that ended up being cut. And the Jets just signed him. And then to replace those bodies on the practice squad, they signed a linebacker, Corey Thompson, not too familiar with him. He played in the CFL, though, last year, and then before that with the Bills. And then Keelan Doss, he's a wide receiver. He was also signed to the practice squad. He was featured on the Hard Knocks series with the Raiders a couple years back. Mm -hmm. Um, He was Mm -hmm. was okay. He ended up not making the team. And then the unfortunate one, and I know Glenn's probably – bummed about this because he was, you know, preaching for this guy to get some more playing time, but linebacker Noah Dawkins was placed on the practice squad IR. So he'll be done for at least three weeks. Ouch.
1: Yeah, and then to be honest with you, I never even knew that they had IR eligibility for practice squad guys. So, you know, that is right. for yeah. me um, interesting to see here. Probably the most alarming from this information is you know, where Zach Wilson is, um, you know, that's why it's always not a good idea to go with, like, the first breaking news on an injury, you know, and expecting, mm-hmm. you know, Zach Wilson's out four weeks. So four weeks in one day, he's going to be 110% healthy. That's just never the case. Um, sometimes, right. you know, they get that timetable right uh You know, and the same thing with Becton. You know, when we were talking about that earlier this year, they're saying it was going to be, you know, the eight weeks or whatever. Um, But clearly we can see that this is a serious injury that he's been dealing with and he needs more time. And who knows that when he's even eligible to practice, if he's going to be implemented right away. Uh, You know, the offensive line isn't great, but George Fant has been, you know, Table, we'll say, um, I think that's a good word to mm-hmm. use because uh, there has been some inconsistency with the offensive line, more so interior than exterior. But uh, yeah, you know, if you have a, a healthy George fan and you have coming back to health, Mackay Becton, and our quarterbacks are still trying to, you know, figure out how to gel on offense, really, really not a good thing to have somebody that may not be at, you know, at their, at their best. So, mm-hmm. the Spectrum situation is quite interesting. Obviously, we'll continue to monitor and talk about Zach Wilson's situation. Uh, you know, this is just like the time of the year, and you're looking at the schedule right now. The Jets' schedule down down the, uh, the last few games here is, is very favorable. Um, they're not playing oh, yeah. heavy, crazy competition, and it would seem like this would be a great opportunity for Zach Wilson to come back you know, develop and learn and and be a little bit more competitive or, or, you know, have the playing field be a little bit, not easier, but more maintainable for for a rookie that's, you know, still trying to put this all together. Uh, But right now at the moment, um, Joe Flacco is getting the nod. Um, We are familiar, as he was with the team last year, Uh, but this is a whole new system. But, you know, this is – Kind of what we had talked about earlier in the year, which was a, a big gamble by Joe Douglas, and that was not having any sort of experience at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, experience definitely matters when it comes to a particular spot. Uh, it can help younger guys get acclimated. Uh, and, and you know, any questions because these guys have seen it all. They Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl champion. You know, there's nothing that mm-hmm. you have not experienced from this game. And when you're Working with younger players, you can really use that guy's brain in a lot of situations when you have questions that you're unsure of. So uh, we're a little late in that aspect, but Joe's getting the nod. Uh, what's your
0: initial reaction
1: to to the Joe Flacco news, Dylan?
0: Uh, yeah, at first I I really wasn't too happy about it. At first I was like, you know, if we're going to lose, you might as well just lose with Mike White but that that's really discounting a lot of what Joe Flacco could potentially do for this offense. And then I started thinking about that new England game uh, with Joe Flacco when he had those deep passes to, I believe it was Brashad Perriman. And, you know, we kept it a, like a, a close game with new England and they ended up scoring the field goal at the end. And I was like, you know what? That offense looked good. That game, everybody else looked good. So from my from my standpoint, if everybody else, all 10 people look good on the offense or even, you know, half of them, like the the rookies and most of the offensive linemen, if they look good under Joe Flacco, I'm 100% cool with it. I I think Mike White had a shot. It was an unfortunate, you know, four interception game for him. But it just proves that, yeah, maybe he is better as a, a quarterback three or a practice squad guy that, Still needs to take a few more mental reps before he can really be thrown into the fire. And it it also, like you just mentioned, it it kind of puts egg on the face of Joe Douglas for not making a move like this earlier. Because, yeah, uh, Mike White won the game against Cincinnati and, you know, really balled out. But realistically, if, if Zach Wilson were to go down, you would want a veteran to step in right away that like they said, knows the offense, understands NFL-style defenses that, like Miami runs a cover zero with a lot of man-to-man. So the, Joe Flacco is used to that, the, the quick processing, getting the ball out fast. Mike White wasn't really doing it. So, you know, you really want to ha- get that quarterback to that veteran presence in the room, not just for emergency situations, but also to help Zach because I'm pretty sure Zach can learn a lot more in this Miami game coming up than he could in the Buffalo beatdown, or even the Indianapolis game with Josh Johnson playing. I feel like Zach can take more from this game because Flacco plays more to the style of Zach Wilson with the ability to throw deep and not just dink and dunk. So at first I was sour. And then, you know, I was like, you know, the jets are going to do these types of things and, you know, rip our heart out halfway through the year when all hope is lost anyway. But I think Joe Flacco might actually be able to open up a little bit more of the vertical part of the offense that we haven't seen that we really, really want to see out of, like, Elijah Moore and and even Denzel Mittens. So I'm happy with it. I'm just fingers crossed it doesn't come spiraling down again. And we need another quarterback next week against Houston. God forbid Zach's not ready. Yeah, and you know, I'm looking at
1: the schedule here. Um, we've got eight more games left and only three teams have a uh above five hundred record. That's the New Orleans Saints, uh Tampa Bay Bucks, which is week seventeen, and then the Buffalo Bills, week eighteen, our final game of the season. So right now you got Miami, Houston and Philadelphia. All of those teams have losing records. This is just you know, opportunities for the Jets to maybe try to win a few more games, um, even though there are some fans right now saying, you know what, I'm looking at a at 2022 draft already. Um,
0: and, and, you
1: <laughs> yeah. know, I think the Jets would have two top 10 picks if the draft were tomorrow. And now people are going to probably pivot yes, and say, now the Jets are just going to ruin their draft capital by, you know, winning meaningless games—air quoting—with with veterans rather than you know putting your young quarterback to get experience out there. We've been down this road. We've heard it all. All these takes—you know—they all hold weight. Um, you know, but that's just the situation that we're currently in. Um, you know, I I, I kind of want to put a pause real quick on the uh, the quarterback situation because I feel like we we still have some meat on the bone to go over there, and I don't want to. Um, forget that there was some other um, issues that were going on um, on the defensive side, and, and one of our players went down um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in during the game, and that was Brandon Eccles, and um, Javelin Guidry had to come in in a pinch, um, and, and and you know he he finished out the game, and and his number got called, and he was picked on um, several times. And, uh, you know, Stephon Diggs is a hard cover. Um, you know, we've seen Gidry come in in the past and, and hold his own, um, maybe just a little unlucky going up against one of the more elite wide receivers. But I kind of have a feeling that Gidry is going to be the guy moving forward. Um, what is your confidence in, in Gidry? And do you feel that, you know, we're going to be all right until Echols comes back or – you know, should the should the Jets be looking elsewhere, maybe like Isaiah Dunn, or I don't know. I think Pinnock was was injured just a couple weeks ago. I don't know if he's got any um, chance to come back soon. But uh, getting a little thin at the quarter cornerback position here. Uh, what, what's your confidence um, in that as of right now?
0: Um, my confidence in, in having to start Javelin Gidry at outside cornerback this week is, you know low it's 15 20 and that's not to say I don't like who Guidry is as a player he was one of my you know favorite players last year on the defensive side of the ball I thought he he came in well and you know created turnovers towards the back half of the year he had I think three three or four forced fumbles so I think what he does in terms of the slot is really good but putting him on the outside we saw what happened Stefan Diggs got the best of him, only got one foot in bounds on the first pass, and then the very next play, right back to him, and he had a little bit more separation made the play. Easy touchdown. And then you look over to the very the, the next time when Bryce Hall gets hurt and Isaiah Dunn comes in for one play, what happens? He creates a pass defense, and Sherrod Neesman comes up with an interception. I'm not saying that that would happen – every single snap because we've seen Isaiah Dunn take his lumps on the outside as well. But I think to take somebody like Gidry and force him to be a full-time outside player, even in a pinch, isn't smart when you could just, you know, take your lumps with Isaiah Dunn and potentially have the more – it's a high-risk, high-reward type of move. But you're also not going to get too much, you know, out of Gidry, who isn't the tallest to begin with. So – in my opinion, i say go with Dunn. I'm not sure. Jason Pinnock, yeah, you said he was injured. I believe he was activated a couple of days ago, but that doesn't mean he's ready to play by any stretch and he's only been a special teams right. guy. So I would look, yeah, I think it's Isaiah Dunn or, you know, maybe somebody off the street, like they just signed Wild Goose. So potentially one of those two guys first, which again, makes it weird that you drafted a a three-corner and Pinnock just to play him on special teams and sign players off the street to play ahead of him. But, yeah, my general yeah. thought is Isaiah Dunn first, then probably Guidry, then Wild Goose in the current scenario that we have.
1: Yeah, you bring up a good point with, you know, the guys that were draft capital, and, and now you have guys that, are you know, were picked off the, uh, like, waivers and things like that um, coming into the fold. Um, you know, and, and it makes me think about that comment, uh, that Joe, I'm sorry, that Robert Sala had to answer, you know, several months ago when talking about, you know, why aren't you guys pursuing, you know, an experienced corner, you guys have a lot of inexperience out there. And, you know, he, you know, a little bit of the ego came out and said, you know, with my style of defense, I don't really need like a number one. We have guys that can play and we can elevate them with coaching and da da da. and you know, I will have to say that um, I was pleasantly surprised with Echols' play. Um, I, I, you know, wasn't really sure if, if he was going to be able to, um, you know, hold up to solid statements. And, you know, he's done admirable throughout the, the course of the season. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the defensive struggles aren't, you know, honed in specifically on the cornerback position like they were years ago. Um But now, you know, as as these guys that were put into these starting cornerback positions are are starting to get hurt, you know, I'm fine with Bryce Hall. You know, everything that he's been doing has been really, really solid, and I just hope he continues to progress as a player um, and turns into the number one starting corner for us. That would be great. Uh, But I look at the situation, and, again, just like the quarterback situation, I think you need some experience back there. I think it helps in situations just like this because – You know, going into this weekend now, um, you know, I I don't know. Devontae Parker is always in and out of the field for for Miami. Uh, But they do have, you know, a Jalen Waddell. They've got an athletic tight end. Um, They've got some some good receiving backs um, that can do some things. So, you know, again, these guys are going to be tested in different ways. Um, And as we go, you know, down the stretch of the season here and you start to look at some of these other teams, uh, you know, New Orleans has some guys that can play. You know, Philadelphia, you know, they have a couple uh mm-hmm. you know, nice they receivers. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then, you know, Tampa's probably going – Tampa and Buffalo are probably going to be the hardest challenges, you know, way yeah, to end yeah. the season right there. That's going to be, you know, substantially hard. Tampa's got so much firepower. Maybe they'll just be, you know, putting in a lot of their backups against us because, you know, they'll be preparing for their off season. Um, well, we'll be preparing for you know draft talk, but um, yeah, th- this will really, really shine light on you know how well Robert Sala is going to be able to coach these guys up, and you know we'll, we're going to see if his scheme and, and his philosophy is going to you know be beneficial. Um, you know, clearly, if we start to see you know more thirty, forty yard plays and our guys getting gashed, we know that it's not going to work out, and he'll have to make an adjustment next year um, by either prioritizing the defensive backs early in the draft or, you know, going to free agency and trying to sign a big-ticket guy. So, you know, a lot will be answered as far as um, what the future holds for our cornerback position as we go down the stretch here. Um, I guess, you know, we can, we can continue um, – on the defensive uh, backs here, you know, safety play. Um, not so great this week uh, and a uh, little scary, you know, seeing uh, what life is like without Marcus May. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it it, it kind of was a little scary because I remember the time when there wasn't a Marcus May and there wasn't a Jamal Adams as, as our top two safeties. Um, and the Jets let up a lot of big plays, you know, the Jets had let up the most 40-yard-plus plays prior to May and, and Adams coming to this defense, and now we have both of them gone, and in that first game without either of them, uh, you know, they the Jets let up two 100-yard receivers in one game. Um, Allen threw for 350-plus yards, and he did it with ease. So if this continues to happen um, – clearly there's just another position that the Jets are going to have to acknowledge and improve going into the twenty twenty two season. Uh you know, what's your you know, real quick, we got about twenty five minutes left here, so we still have plenty of time to cover the Miami game. Um what are your thoughts about, you know, what's going on with the safeties
0: right now? Yeah, similar to the to the corners, you have a lot of inexperienced players. Ashton Davis, you know, it's just probably this past week or the week before was just finally getting his legs underneath him, because it seems like every player that comes back from injury solid says has about a three week period before they're fully back into the system, which is still why I, you know, I give benefit of the doubt to Jared Davis because he's only been back for two games, but I just, it's tough because he made a forced fumble. Ashton Davis made a forced fumble late in the game, garbage time. And, it, you know, it makes his stats look a little good. But for the amount of snaps that he's playing, <clears throat> excuse me, he should be making more plays. And we're not really seeing the, the dynamic factor to him. Last year we saw it a little bit coming off the edge, and he was, you know, getting after the quarterback a little bit in that, you know, Jamal Adams style of Greg uh, Williams' defense. So he was coming off the edge. He looked decent. We weren't seeing him as, as the, the deep field safety that we thought he was going to be in college, you know, with the range and speed that he has. So it's really unfortunate because he's somebody that I liked in the process, somebody I still have high hopes for. And then Niesman, you know, he was just kind of thrown into the fire. I know he's played a couple, you know, snaps before during the season, but, you know, it's just it's uninspiring. He had the interception off the deflection, which is always great to see, you know, take advantage of those opportunities. But it, it just needs mm-hmm. to get better on the entire back end. The entire secondary just needs to step up, and this is what we thought was going to happen coming into the year. Um, it's not surprising. It's just frustrating that it looked decent in the beginning and then kind of faded off. And as the pass rush went away, you see the the coverage goes away as well. So you see it all working hand in hand. It needs to all get better on the defensive side, unfortunately. But, yeah, aps. Safety's definitely need some help. Yep, absolutely.
1: All right, so we'll we'll close the uh the conversation on the cornerbacks and the defensive backs. Uh that's just been something that uh we continue to talk about and uh, until we see improvements, you know, um that will be a topic of conversation. And um just one last, you know, piece I want to talk about with the quarterbacks here. You know, we've got two young guys in Mike White and, and Zach Wilson here, and uh, Joe Flacco gets the nod, as we had said earlier. Uh, do you think at this point, with eight games left, um, Mike White, you know, looked great against Cincinnati, started out okay in Indianapolis, gets hurt, goes to the sideline, comes back, plays absolutely horrible with his four interceptions against the toughest defense he's ever seen, um, let's be honest. Um, and now right, Flacco's yeah. coming in, and and some of the comments that, that, that Salah had made, um, you know, after – I think it was after the game he had mentioned, you know, people want, you know, White out of town now, and, and you mm-hmm. know, he was saying that, you know, he still backs him, and then he pivots and names Flacco the starter. Do you think we're going to see, you know, Mike White, Um, at some point in time. You know, obviously, if something happens to Flacco, you know, knock on wood, hopefully none of these guys, you know, see any injuries anymore. But will we see Mike White again this season? And should we see Mike White, being that he's not really the future of this team and Zach Wilson is the future, and we're hoping that, you know, this team, when they finally get everything together, Zach's the guy to lead us. Um, You know, when should we see Zach Wilson, number one? Um, That's one of my questions, Dylan. And the other one is, you know, will we see Mike White again this year?
0: Um, I'll answer the second one first. I think we hope, we we hope that we don't see Mike White again. We hope Zach Wilson comes back. Uh, Hopefully he's on pace for Houston. So there, my answer for Zach is Houston next week. I hope he would be back, but you would hope to not see Mike White just because Zach Wilson is healthy. Now, if down the stretch Zach Wilson suffers another injury, knock on wood, then depending on the offensive progression under Zach Wilson, then yes, I would probably say you will see Mike White again. There is um, a small stipulation in Joe Flacco's trade that um, Joe Flacco, if he played 50% or more snaps in four games for the Jets this year, that pick becomes the fifth-round pick. So we now know the threshold of how much Flacco needs to play. Obviously, this game, he's most likely going to play 50% of the snaps. So that's one out of his four games. And if you have to play a quarterback other than Zach Wilson down the stretch for more than one game, it might as well be just Mike White because you don't want to risk giving that pick up to Philadelphia for Joe Flacco. And Mike Garafolo explained it even more in detail on – NFL Network today that the sixth round pick that the Jets gave to Philadelphia is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sixth round pick that they gave us for Steve McClendon So that pick would be, you know, the back half of the sixth round. Whereas if Joe Flacco wow. reaches that threshold and we give up a fifth round pick, it would be our natural fifth round pick, which would be third pick in the fifth round. You know, as it's going right now. So everything, you know, it's a lot of perspective there of two full rounds worth of picks coming into play with that. So I think coming down the stretch, yeah, we'll we'll see Mike White over Joe Flacco. But for now, I guess Flacco makes more sense due to his experience.
1: And, you know, I'm I'm looking at you know, at this schedule right here and you know, by the time that we assume that Zach Wilson is going to be ready to go, um, you know, if it's not next week against Houston, you know, maybe versus Philadelphia. Uh, And then, you know, you have New Orleans, Miami, and Jacksonville. New Orleans is having some trouble with their quarterback position right now, and they're trying to, you know, hold on tight because they were looking pretty good earlier in the season, and now things have kind of Mm -hmm. gone awry for them. but, yeah, it would be really unfortunate to see Zach Wilson, you know, come back in, in January or something crazy like that against two of the toughest teams in the league. Um, you know, that would probably not be – for those two games probably will not go well to end the season for Zach's confidence. Um, right. And, you know, clearly they don't want to push him into um, into the game if his, if his knee is still not 100%. Um, so maybe, you know – this is all going to work out somehow um, and, and keep him, you know, from having, you know, future problems. But, uh, you know, I would be really, really discouraged not to see Zach Wilson get some sort of reps, you know, and then, you know, kind of come back almost like a rookie next year as well. Uh, So, you know, it's a tough tough situation. Um, I don't know what the right answer is uh, because clearly um, you can learn a lot you know, being a student of the game, and, and, you know, we've seen success with other teams where rookies sit their first year, they sit more than half a season, and then, you know, they're deployed later on. Uh, But, you know, people get very, very impatient, especially this New York crowd and this fan base here. Um, That's why they call it a New York Minute. And, uh, you know, I'm just wondering when the pressure meter, you know, gets high enough to where the Jets are forced, um, you know, maybe into a decision that they may not be ready for. And um, clearly, it's not just only about Zach Wilson. You know, there's 52 other guys on this roster, and Mm -hmm. um, there's still a lot of young guys that that need experience as well, and you have to build something here. And you know, we've got some pieces that are going to be here in the long term at the offensive line, not many, but we've got a few. Um, we've got some young receivers and we have some young running backs. Um, you know, the tight end position is a little, you know, skeptical at this point. Um, but you know, they got to try to build something and put something together here. Uh, and you know, you've got eight more games to try to figure this thing out. And, um, I I do want Zach to be a part of it. Uh, but you know, I do understand that they want to do right by him and they don't want to force the issue. So, uh let's uh let's move on and um let's get into this um upcoming game. Uh, I believe it's another home game for the Jets and uh we're we're gonna be hosting the Miami Dolphins um, and only have one more win than us. They've got three wins, we've got two on the season. Um, from what I've been hearing is that uh the Dolphins have one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Um I was unaware of that. I, I would have thought that the answer would have been the Jets or maybe Detroit. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a matchup that looks a little bit more even. You know, uh, we I've been seeing these headlines from, from Miami. Um, they love Tua. They don't love Tua. Uh, you know, we, we believe he's going to be the guy, but you never know if things go wrong. They're going to put in Jacoby Brissett. Um, we heard the rumors about them trying to trade for Deshaun Watson, um, all sorts of crazy stuff with coming from Miami, and that was a team that was looked like it was trending in the right direction with Brian Flores. But now this year, things have really not gone very smooth, and um, they look to be struggling maybe just as much as us. Um, so, so what's your Um, take on on this on this matchup that we're going to be having this weekend you know do the jets have a fighting chance are our odds better now with joe flacco the most experienced quarterback going out there Uh,
0: how do you see it though i think i think they definitely do have a fighting chance i mean like you said they're only three and seven last year they were 10 and six so they've already lost more games this year than they have all of last season Obviously that has a lot to do with the quarterback play. They don't have Ryan Fitzpatrick anymore for that, you know, Fitz magic and late in the game when Tua was struggling, now it's Jacoby Brissett. And we actually saw the opposite of that. They just upset the Ravens and Brissett was the starter and Tua sat on the sidelines and then he finished the game. So you really never know what can happen when you play the Dolphins. Brian Flores is kind of a an evil genius like that. He 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 won't let you settle in on one one game plan he'll always keep you on your toes and then you know the Jets are zero and nine since Joe Douglas has been hired as the GM in their division so you know that's a, a really a big negative against the Jets that you don't want to see a, a trend that you hope hope is reversed this week because zero and 10 is just Pitiful. You have to be competitive in your own division to, you know, have a chance. They always say the best way to the playoffs is to win your division because then it's a free in. So 0-9 oh, doesn't sit well with me. And then the two players I had to watch, uh, you mentioned one of them earlier, is uh, Jalen Waddle, their wide receiver. He's an explosive rookie playmaker that he'll give just the Jets problems as soon as, you know, the whistle blows. I'm pretty sure he'll be up against Michael Carter in this slot. So it's rookie versus rookie. Michael Carter has held his own against, you know, a fair share of, you know, slot uh, wide receivers this year. He struggled against Kyle Pitts, so you hope that the Jets would game plan for Mike Kosicki elsewhere and put Michael Carter on Waddle. And Marlon Humphrey last week after the Ravens-Dolphins game said that uh, Waddle will be a top-ten receiver by next year. And I think you're already seeing it. He has five hundred and fifty seven yards on sixty catches, three touchdowns. He's playing eighty five to ninety five percent of the snaps um for the past, you know, month and a half. So he's really one that the the Jets need to game plan for and not let get over top of them because even though Tua loves to run the RPOs, he will beat you deep if Jalen Waddle gets behind somebody. And then on Miami's defense, I wrote down Javon Holland. He's their safety. He's another rookie. He blitzes at a high rate. Um, Last uh, Thursday, he blitzed fairly well against uh, Lamar Jackson. He had him, you know, scrambling. I think it was next-gen stats had him as the most defensive back pressures and blitzes in a game um, since they started keeping track. So, you know, they're always going to bring that pressure, that cover zero that we were talking about earlier. So Joe Flacco is going to have to get the ball out. Uh, really quickly but Javon Holland the last six weeks has been playing 97 percent of the snaps on defense and he just lights up the scoreboard everywhere he has two sacks two tackles for loss five quarterback hits an interception and one forced fumble and fumble recovery so he's a little bit of a do-it-all kind of guy and you really have to make sure you know where he is at on the field at all times and he's number eight so it's a little weird watching a single-digit player roam the defense, but. He does it very well. I'm not gonna say he's Jamal adams, but the way he gets pressure on the quarterback off the edge is you know very very uh jamal adams light you know he's a smaller guy, so but those are my mm-hmm. two players to watch yeah, yeah, um good nuggets
1: right there um definitely uh gonna gonna be looking at that you know michael carter um you know number two. Our cornerback going up against Waddle. I see in your notes here, mm-hmm. rookie versus rookie. You know, um, hopefully that goes toward toward our favor uh, because that kid could fly when he was, uh, you know, with Tua in Alabama, and you know that's uh, something that the the Dolphins definitely uh, took notice of while they were doing their their process. And when they had the opportunity to reunite those guys, um, they definitely saw you know some some promise with the, with that connection there. So you know that'll that is definitely going to be one of the key factors for the Jets' success is, is minimizing uh, Waddle's opportunities and 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 don't let him you know you know burn you down the field and and uh, you know that that to me is going to be where Robert Sala is going to have to put together a good game plan um, to not leave his guys out on an island, for se, um, and and make sure that you have somebody back deep to keep the defense um, from getting blown out. Um, you know, another thing that, you know, I was thinking of is, uh, you know, watching how the Buffalo Bills were so effective, you know, utilizing their backs. Uh, you know, Miles Gaskin is another guy that you have to, you know, keep an eye on. And I know they got the the other guy, I think it's, um, you know, like Steve Ahmed. Um, who's kind of come on as of late, you know, they do have Mm -hmm. some guys out there that can do some things. And, you know, in the past, the Jets have struggled with, you know, pass-catching running backs. And, um, you know, that's what I would anticipate um, them to try to do. um, For two, is try to, you know, get the ball to their guys out in space and and test the speed of of our defense. Um, You know, we see a lot of formations where, you know, there's only two linebackers on the field. And it's mainly Davis and Mosley. And, you know, Mosley has been playing pretty good, but he can't do it all himself. And, uh, you know, Davis, you know, seems to be struggling right now. So it'll be a big test for our linebackers picking up those running backs. And, you know, if Carter and Guidry are going to be tested, you know, these guys are really going to have to elevate in order to to keep the game within reach. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like you brought up a really good point about Flacco being able to stretch the field and do things like that. So, um, you know, maybe the Jets try to, you know, change their momentum because they've been pretty laggard in the first quarter. And uh, statistically, we have not put up a lot of points and we've come out with these mm-hmm. slow starts. So maybe Joe can come out, you know, and, and you know, fire some passes down the field and, and get the defense on their heels and get them to step off the line of scrimmage and that may open up some things for some other players. Um, You know, I know that there was some chemistry uh, late last season with Denzel Mims and Joe Flacco. I think Mims had one of his best games last year with Joe um, as the quarterback. Uh, Mm -hmm. not sure if Mims has come off the COVID protocol yet. Got to look that up. Um, But if he does, you know, I would hope that uh, Denzel Mims gets an opportunity to try to bounce back with, with a guy that he may be familiar with. Um, you know, when we talked about this um, on the chat, you know, earlier today, uh, it really looks like Joe Flacco and Elijah Moore have been working out for the last six months, the way Joe came out on that first snap and fired off a, you know, a backfield mm-hmm. fade, kind of a strike yep. right to Elijah Moore. Um, those guys look like they've been doing it for years. And um, that's the kind of play you can get from Joe Flacco. Um, You can get some really solid throws. He knows the timing. He knows where to put the ball to give his guy an opportunity to make a play. Now, sometimes Joe can get a little risky with the ball, um, has a little bit of that gunslinger mentality, and, you know, he can find himself in in, in some bad situations and turn the ball over. So clearly we're hoping that that doesn't happen this Sunday. But, you know, Joe does have a particular skill set and mainly, you know, pushing the ball down the field is one of the things that he's always been known for. So, you know, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that we can see some of that. And, and um, you know, this is another good game, I think, to get Michael Carter going. Um, every time I see that guy touching the ball, he's breaking tackles and, and stretching for extra yards and turning nothing into something. And I think yep. that that's what's going to have to happen numerous times in order for us to beat the beat the Dolphins. Um You know, I I think that after last week's loss, this was another rude slap in the face for this team. And I just kind of hope that 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 taste that they have um, in their mouth from from getting, you know, beaten down by the Bills, um, I I hope that that carries over into this game and and these guys snap out of this. Because you can't go into another game, you know, with that same, you know, mentality and that same style of play because it'll be another brutal loss exactly
0: and and like you said the the Dolphins offensive line has been struggling of late especially you know mostly this year last year they were a little bit better but as a unit they've been struggling so you would hope that the defensive line could potentially look at this as like a get right game kind of like the Bills looked at the Jets coming off a loss to the Jags you know they're like okay the Jets will get right and get back on track so hopefully the defensive line shows up can take advantage of some mismatches and get, get home on Tua and, you know, light up the scoreboard like we we like. It's been a long time since that seven-sack performance on the defense. But And then I also had an offensive question for you as well. So mm-hmm. earlier in the year, we saw a lot of heavy tight end condensed formations, and mm-hmm. that was under Zach Wilson. And then with Mike White, you know, a little bit more spread out, more four or five wide receiver looks. And my question to you is, knowing that the Dolphins play cover zero, not a lot of safety help over the top, do you think that they would go more condensed with their tight ends to block the blitzers or the potential blitzers? Or do you think they continue to spread it wide, which might be to Joe Flacco's uh, skill set more where he can, you know, see the field? Which do you think, condensed or spread out, do you think they continue? Uh,
1: you know, that's a really, really good question. Um, you know, I, you, you put out something the other day about, you know, how much the formation changes from the first half of the season to the last few weeks have changed dramatically. And, you know, maybe that's a lot to do with the the personnel. Um, but since Croft went on the IR and, uh, You know, we haven't seen much of Trayvon Wesco at all. It seems to be Ryan Griffin, you know, is the main guy moving forward. Kenny Yaboa, you know, being moved up into the roster, maybe we'll start seeing a little bit more two tight end sets. Uh, You know, I I haven't watched enough film on on Yaboa to know on how good of a blocker or a pass blocker he is. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that he does have some receiving skills, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, but yep. yeah, that definitely is a little alarming and it, and it raises an eyebrow on whether or not these guys are going to be able to implement, you know, the, the, the proper pass protections that's needed, uh, because Joe is not a runner. Um, you need to give Joe no. time. Um, that's a hundred percent. And, uh, you know, if you're going to be pushing the ball down the field, you got to give him a good, you know, two to three seconds to set his feet. Read the safeties and then you know rip that ball. So you're gonna you're gonna have to figure out ways to to give him you know clean pockets and things like that. So I think that the you know what they they might try to do is spread things out a little bit. Um, and if the pressure is be, becoming too much, they'll they're going to have to adjust and put some more guys back there to to give Joe mm-hmm. more time because. Like I said, he's not a runner, so you're not going to be able to, you know, do those rollouts and get guys in space and attack particular areas of the field with a Joe Flacco. Um, You know, maybe we'll see more of a cadence to what we saw, uh, you know, against Cincinnati where, you know, two, three-step drops, get the ball out. You know, find your check downs, you know, dink and dunk a little bit, move the ball, you know, quite, you know, get the pace rolling so that the defense can't see what you're doing. And then when they're off, go for the jugular and push the ball down the field. Um, So maybe start it out, spread it out early on. And if things don't look very, very good and, you know, we're letting up early pressures and we we let up a, you know, an unfortunate sack early in the game, I think you're going to have to make an adjustment and get more protection back there. Um, I think that's really going to, determine the success of this offense. That's a really good point that you mm-hmm. brought up there, Dylan. Um, what do you What do you think? Do you have any, um,
0: you know, something you want to share on that? I, I'm actually making a Twitter poll right now to ask, you know, the following because I'm having a hard time answering my own question. I feel like there's mm-hmm. situations where you're going to want, you know, uh, Griffin, Wesco, possibly Yeboa all on the field at the same time, not just to, you know, be protecting of the quarterback but also because they can run out and run routes and you don't really know. So similarly to how their cover zero is a lot of players in the box and you don't know who the blitzer is until, you know, as soon as you snap the ball and players drop out, I feel like the Jets can run a similar, you know, block and release type offense to counteract that. So it's a very good, you know, a very good question. It's a hard question to answer just in general because it's, you know, it's game plan specific and they're always going to have to adjust no matter what, like you said, if one sack early happens, I feel like they're going to adjust and bring in heavier personnel. So they got to just, you know, find that balance. But I think we'll see, you know, a good amount of, of spread looks as well. Once the Jets, if they manage to get the defense on their heels, will go back to that spread and really try to get things, you know, opened up so Joe Flacco can really read the field.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'll give a little prediction here. Um, and I think a lot of it, you know, is going to depend on whether or not the defense bounces back. Um, the, uh, the bye week the Jets have led up two forty-five point performances and one fifty-four point performance. And, uh, you know, if that continues, the Jets are not going to have a chance in this game at all. Um, you know clearly, you're gonna to have to put on put up points um and the offense is going to have to get in rhythm um you know like I said, they're gonna to have to try to find a way to come out um with a little bit of a quicker cadence and you know maybe running a little bit more no huddle if that's at all possible um and try to get after the the dolphins quickly you know um you know I can't foresee this. Uh, being within arm's reach if we're seeing the same things that we saw uh, defensively over the last couple of weeks. So I think the defense is going to have to elevate, and if the offense can somehow get in rhythm, uh, you know, maybe the Jets find themselves in a situation to where, you know, a 21-17 to 17 kind of game or something like that, you know, and the Jets can squeak one out here. Um, that would be great. You know, I feel like we see – two sides of the spectrum with this team, you know, we've predominantly seen a, a struggling team, a poor football team. And then, you know, they've had a couple games where they flip the script and they look like a team that can compete. And, you know, now that's what the big question is. Do these guys have enough gas in the tank to continue to compete down the road? Do they have that fight in them? Um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of guys from the, uh, you know, the NFL network and the other, um, media networks said that just didn't look like they, they have any fight in them. They don't look like a team that has heart. And, um, you know, hopefully some guys heard that and, and they're going to do something about it. Come this Sunday. Uh, because if you can't figure out a way to get it together against a team like the dolphins that have been struggling just as much as us, um, yeah, this team's got some real problems and they're going to have to look in the mirror and, and start figuring out where, where these issues are. And, um, Put together our plan um, to correct that moving forward, Dylan. Um, I think uh, I think we've covered all bases here. Um, a little bit over the yep. hour threshold here. Um, anything else you want to um, cover before we uh, we
0: sign off and
1: and call it a night?
0: No, I, I think you, you summed it up pretty well there. It's a, a situation where the Jets can take advantage of a team that's also struggling. You look at the talent perspective on both sides, and I think they're pretty equal as far as talent. So it's just going to come down to execution and coaching. Hopefully the the Jets all took that long look in the mirror after this past month and all the points let up and really crack down and show up. You know, the Jets' faithful is going to be behind them again. So hopefully the defense can rally together and put together some some not even turnovers, just big plays that create punts you know, that's the best when you just don't end in points. It seems like every drive the past two games has ended in points other than the two Mm -hmm. late garbage time fumble and interception against Buffalo. So everything else is just run down the field and score. So let's put together a game plan, be solid and it's unfortunate, but let's upset the dolphins.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And let's just get it together. Um, God, you know, things have been tough. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some. So like I said, you know, I've already heard some people, you know, starting to focus on next year. And I already saw some, some things about draft talk today. And, you know, if it were tomorrow, we'd be taking this guy and that guy. And I don't know if I'm ready for that yet with, you know, another two months of football ahead of us here, another eight games under to go. So um, we probably will have to cross that bridge at some point. I'm not ready to do it today. But uh, I'd like to thank everyone uh, for joining us again. And um, please don't forget to go to JetNation.com, sign up. You have to get involved in the forums. A lot, a lot of stuff going on. Even in a season like this, you know, we've got some pretty diehard fans. And um, definitely got to go check out to see what the forums are. Um, One thing I did forget to mention – You know, one of the cool things that happened this weekend, I got to meet Lavernius Coles and Wayne Corbett um, at at tailgate there. And to see, you know, two legends uh, like that from, you know, from my youth, guys that um, were just awesome playmakers and uh, great people. Um, So it was really, really nice um, to see those guys. I stopped by, visited the guys from uh, Gotham City crew. Uh, big, Big shout out to Lou and Claudio for putting that together. Um, You guys rock, continue to do your thing. Um, You know, got to take a photo with them. One of my friends got an autograph from Lavernius. Really, really cool moment. Um, That's cool. Really awesome to see players like that take time to, you know, interact with the fans and and things like that. Um, Made Sunday a little bit more special, even though um, the Jets were a little bit disappointing. I still woke (laughs) up with a smile on my face on Monday, knowing that um, I got to rub elbows with a couple Jets legends. And, um, you know, got to give a shout-out to Glenn, who's doing this thing on YouTube. If you guys haven't uh, caught wind of that, Glenn's doing some video oh, yeah. stuff with uh, some post-game reactions. Um, he recently had an interview um, that, that I believe just aired recently with Emory Hunt from the football game plan. Um, so that'll be um, available. I'm not sure if it's available on YouTube, but it should be available under our um, podcast show. So, you know, go go to our podcast page. You can find the link through jetnation.com. You can also find it through numerous um, podcast platforms. Um, The main one for us here is Blog Talk. Um, If you're an Apple guy, you can find it on the Apple podcast. So uh, be sure to tune in and check out Glenn and the interview that he had with Emory Hunt from the football game plan. That was a good one. Uh, Green Bean's holding it down on YouTube and doing his Instagram and Facebook thing, too. So we got a lot of good things going on with Jet Nation right now. So uh, don't miss out. Um, you know, that's, that's the point right there. So let's close it mm-hmm. up here. Uh, Dylan, good show. Um, hopefully next week yes, we're sir. talking about a Jets W. Because, um, God, I really want to talk about something a little bit more positive uh, going yeah, on. these things. So uh, from all of us here at Jet Nation, thank you again. Everybody have a good night. And as always, let's go Jets.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at nyjetslife Life24. Until next time, go Jets!